to be with you today from one Frank to another, right? Frank Prenzy to Pete Frank. So um, I'm excited about being here and being able to share with you from my heart. First thing I need to do is find out if any of you did not get one of these brochures as you came in. Uh, the men have some there, so just lift your hand up if you don't have one of these. They're going for $1.95 right now. And uh, no, seriously, just keep your hand up for a minute. I want to make sure everybody has one of these uh, I'll refer to this during the message and also for you to take home. It's a privilege for us to be here. I have my son Tice uh, with me on this trip. A lot of times I travel alone when I travel around and speak in churches, so it's, it's been very good to have Tice. Uh, we enjoyed a beautiful drive out from Indiana yesterday. We stayed in Olean last night, about an hour down the road. And uh, just, I tell you, the, the landscape here is a whole lot different than it is in Grant County, Indiana, that's for sure. And have you ever been to Indiana? Okay. All right. Do we have some Hoosiers here? All right. I got to know who said that. Raise your hand. All right. We'll talk after the service. All right. I want to introduce my family to you on the screen there. My wife and I have six children. And their age is 23 down to 8. I'm not going to take the time to introduce all of them. As I said, Tice is with me on this trip. Three things about Tice. Tice loves basketball. Tice loves Notre Dame football. And Tice loves the Lord, most importantly. Our two youngest, daughter, or two youngest children we adopted from Vietnam, and that is Michaela on the left. She is now 10. She's from southern Vietnam, and that's Mackenzie on the right. She is now eight years old, and she's from northern Vietnam. Vietnam is my focus of ministry for Gospel Link. We are partnering with about 112 nationals, church planters there, reaching Vietnamese people behind the curtain of communism there in that 1040 window, nation of Vietnam. And that's kind of the epicenter of our passion for missions, reaching the unreached in that great nation, our two youngest uh, we adopted from there several years ago. Don't let those sweet smiles fool you for a minute. <laughs> I have the privilege of representing a ministry called Gospel Link Ministries. We're all about advancing the gospel through national preachers. William Carey, the great missionary to India, once said what's on the screen. He said, for a Christian to know the will of God, pretty simple. All you really need is a Bible in one hand and a road map in the other. I like that quote because what William Carey was saying was that as believers, we have been commissioned to take the gospel wherever life takes us, wherever God leads us, to the workplace, to the neighborhood, to the home, that road map. And we're to be sowers of the seed. We're to have leaky seed baskets as you were sowing the gospel as we go throughout this life. The Great Commission is not just for pastors, it's not just for church leaders or missionaries, it's for disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. You know, church, Jesus in his divine prerogative could have chosen to fulfill the Great Commission himself, couldn't have he? But that wasn't his plan. His plan is to use us, his followers, disciples making disciples is his plan that's a pretty cool plan to be a part of, to be honest, isn't it? How exciting to have a partner, Jesus Christ, in the ministry of fulfilling the Great Commission. You know, Jesus in his three-year ministry taught his disciples many things, but the very first thing he taught them in Matthew 4.19 is, follow me and I will make you to become what? Amen. Fishers of men. You guys are as sharp as you look this morning. 
Let me have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather freely in your house this morning. And I pray, Lord, that as we come to your word, that you would um, just captivate our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would remove all distractions out of our minds. I pray, Lord, that the folks here would be encouraged and challenged and that you would lift all of our eyes up to see the harvest fields in a clearer way. And for all that you do in us and through us, we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. And I want us to look at the Great Commission, which is hopefully a familiar passage to you. I'm going to begin by reading verse 19 of Matthew chapter 28. This was Jesus' final command, and the very fact that this was his final command before he ascended to the heaven ought to alert us to the seriousness of this great commission. Verse 19 of Matthew 28, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. Some quick observations about this Great Commission. First of all, the power, the power of the Great Commission. Jesus said in verse 19, Go ye therefore. Now, whenever you see the word therefore in Scripture, you have to always ask yourself, What's the therefore, therefore, right? The therefore is always connecting the immediate passage to the one just before it. So let's jump back to verse 18 and see what Jesus was referring to. I think a lot of times in our zeal to get to the Great Commission verses, Christians jump over the dynamic that's behind the Great Commission. So look at verse 18. Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All authority or all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore. And as you go, he says at the end of verse 20, Lo, I am with you always. The power behind the Great Commission. Jesus has all power all authority. The Greek word refers to the freedom and the right to speak and to do as one pleases. Verse 18 is all about Jesus' sovereignty, that he is Lord of lords and King of kings. He's the one that we've sung about this morning. Amen? Jesus is the great eternally existent Jehovah, God of all creation, Jesus Christ. The one who created all things and Colossians 1 tells us is currently sustaining all things, holding all things together by his power. Jesus is the one to whom every knee will one day bow. Every knee will one day bow. Right here in New York, in Washington, D.C., amen, and around the world throughout the ages, every knee will one day bow, either in worship or in judgment. Every knee will, or every tongue will one, one day confess that Jesus is Lord. He is the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega. And he's the one that partners with us, Christian, as we engage in this great commission. That is the power behind the commission. And what the Lord is saying here is, because I am the sovereign Lord of all creation, I have the authority to command you to be my witnesses, but also the power that will enable you to obey that command. Now that's encouraging to us this morning, because I look at verses 19 and 20. That is a daunting task, is it not? To go and make disciples of all nations? I mean, how many of you find it hard enough just to take the gospel to your neighbor across the street, let alone to people across the seas through missions endeavors? It's a great commission. 
But we have a great God, amen? And he will enable our efforts as he desires to do so sovereignly. But our part is to engage in the Great Commission and to take it seriously. If we're not engaged in that, we need to be so. And if we are, we need to step that up and have eyes for the harvest fields, as it were. Listen, let me encourage you this morning, Christian. When you share your faith, whatever form that might take, through a gospel tract, through an invitation to this Bible-preaching church, through telling someone the plan of salvation about Christ's love for them, whatever form that takes, you never do that alone. You never are alone in that endeavor. The end of verse 20, Jesus said, I am the all-powerful one and I am the one that will be with you. He is with us. He is with us always, always as we share the gospel, individually and collectively as a church. That's the power behind the Great Commission. He's the one building the church, amen? Well, he's just subcontracted the work to us. He's the builder. Our duty is just to be faithful to go. The second thing I want you to see is the potential of the Great Commission. The potential. He said in verse 19, go ye therefore and teach what? What's the next word? All, that's right. Teach all nations. I had a professor in college once, seems like about 100 years ago, He said, all means all, and that's all, all means, amen. All means all. And when it says in verse 19, go and teach all nations, that's exactly what it means. And I think if you study this passage, you'll find that Jesus is not just referring to the 200 or so countries in the world when he says nations, because the word there is ethne in the Greek. He's referring to people groups, tribal groups, distinct people groups throughout the world. Go and teach all. People groups. For example, did you know that in India alone, there are over 2,300 people groups in India? In Vietnam, where we adopted from years ago, there's 54 different ethnic minority people groups in India. And church, it's just a reminder to us this morning, the gospel's good news, not just for people right here in America, not just for our Jerusalem, but for people around the world, people like these little children in Mozambique, Africa. Some of the poorest kids on the face of the earth. But you know, God loves them just as much as he loves my six kids in Indiana. He loves these kids. Amen? This little boy in Zambia, Africa, needs to know that there's one who died on a cross to pay a sin debt that he did not owe and that this little boy could never pay. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You say, that's narrow. That's as narrow as God's love is broad, amen? There's one way, Jesus Christ, and he gave it all to secure our salvation. This little girl in Vietnam needs to know that Buddha will not save her. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven. That pretty much covers all names given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the potential of the Great Commission. Going, making disciples of all people groups. And then thirdly this morning, the priority of this commission, the priority of this commission. You know, I referred to this earlier, but this was Jesus' final command. And we could look over at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and find a similar uh, Acts version of this Great Commission where he says, Go and be my witnesses 
to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And then what happened to Jesus when he gave that command? Right after that, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, right? His earthly work was finished. Let me ask you a question. If you knew that you were going to be going to heaven and leaving your loved ones, what would your final words be to your loved ones? Because what a, fi- what a person says as their final words on this earth indicates what's a priority to them, what they're really passionate about. You know, as much as I love sports, being from Indiana, I know that I would, if it was my final words, I would not turn to Tyson to my family and talk about the Colts game tomorrow night or talk about basketball or talk about politics or gas prices or any of that stuff. I would want to leave with them something that I'm more passionate about. P.T. Barnum, Barnum Bailey Circus, his final words were this. How were the receipts today at Madison Square Garden? Money was a priority to him. And it's a reminder to us this morning as you kick off missions month and a week, right, Chris? (laughs) Missions month and a week. When Jesus turns to his disciples and says, go, reach the nations, the unreached, till all the world knows, we get a glimpse in the heart of God, what is really a priority to our Heavenly Father. What is the Lord really passionate about? And I trust it's what you're passionate about, seeing his kingdom built right here on this corner and also to the ends of the earth. That is the potential and the priority and the power of this great commission. And we know that Jesus was often moved with compassion, wasn't he? John 4.35, he said, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. D.L. Moody was addressing a group of students on the East Coast at a missions conference many years ago. D.L. Moody made this very simple but profound, missions, or <laughs> profound statement regarding the Great Commission. He said what's on the screen. It can be done. It ought to be done. It must be done. That's a good place for an amen, church. <laughs> amen. It must be done. You know, Secular companies can be very passionate about getting their product out to as many people as possible. For example, Coca-Cola, based in Atlanta, Georgia, several years ago had a very simple mission statement. Coca-Cola's mission statement read this way, a can of Coke in the hand of everyone on the face of the earth by the year 2000. Now, has Coca-Cola been at least somewhat successful in completing their mission statement? They have. If you've traveled overseas, you know it's hard to go anywhere on the face of the earth and not have, act, have access to a Coca-Cola. We've seen Coca-Cola sold in rural Vietnam. I've walked through the rural streets of Mozambique, Africa, and there's Coke cans laying there. The very first time I was in Africa was about eight years ago, and I was there with a Gospel Inc. representative who's a dear friend of mine, Willie Hunter. Willie and I were in the southern African country of Mozambique, And one of our objectives while we were there was to go out into the bush and preach the gospel to the local people, but also out in the bush meet with some prospective gospel-length church planters. So our van driver took us off of the paved road onto a dirt road. We drove and drove and zigged and zagged out into the bush for about two hours into the bush. Willie told me later, he had been to Africa many times, he said, I've never been to such a remote place in my life. Finally, we got to our destination. It was pitch dark by this time. They stopped the vehicle and got us out and took us to what would be our lodging for the next couple nights. There was a little mud hut with a thatched roof there in the bush of Mozambique. 
And we ducked and went into this little hut, and there was a candle burning there to welcome us. It was kind of like Motel 6. They left the light on for us. <laughs> Willie and I were sitting there enjoying the moment. And you know what they brought out to us and offered to us as a welcoming gift? Bottles of Coca-Cola. I said, Willie, we've got to get a picture of this. I have no idea where we are, really. The bush of Africa, and there is Coca-Cola. I thought to myself later, if a soft drink company can be so committed to a simple mission statement and so passionate about their product, how much more committed should I be to my Lord's great commission? How much more passionate should I be? Lord, help us, help me. How much more passionate should we be taking the gospel to everyone on the face of the earth? Proverbs 25, 25 says what's on the screen there. It's cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. How many of you like good news? Raise your hand if you like good news. Any of you like bad news? Okay. <laughs> we get enough bad news in the media today, don't we? When you want to get depressed, just turn on the news. Here's some good news. What is God doing on the mission field? Here's some encouraging things. Did, have you heard what God is doing in China? Communist China. As many as 100 million believers today in China. That's good news. Someone said the church of Jesus Christ today is greater than the Communist Party in China. Have you heard about what God is doing in places like <clears throat> Mongolia? Remote Central Asian nation of Mongolia. 22 years ago, there was five churches in the whole nation. God has done a great work in Mongolia. Today, over 800 churches in Mongolia. That's good news from a far country. Difficult mission fields like Iran. <clears throat> 1979, the Ayatollah vowed to crush Christianity in Iran. At that time, there was known to be about 500 Christians in the whole nation. Today, one million believers in Iran. That number is probably lowering because of the persecution. Have you kept up on that? We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ in places like Iran and Iraq. But at one point, there was nearing one million believers estimated in Iran. The Ayatollah did not understand. Jesus said... I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In 1976, there were still 17,000 unreached people groups, ethne, that I referred to earlier. Today, just over 6,000 unreached people groups. That's good news. Now, the bad news is there's still 6,000 unreached people groups. The missions organization that I represent, oh, by the way, pray for Vietnam. Vietnam is my focus of ministry. I'm going to show you here a few pictures from the field. But Gospel Link Ministries, in 2013, we are partnering with close to 1,300 national preachers at this time. A cumulative total of their ministry results for 2013 is what's on the screen. They planted over 3,000 churches. This is one in, on the Cambodian-Vietnam border. I'm the tall, bald guy in the back on the right, Okay. God is building his church in remote areas of the world. Places like um, Zambia, Lusaka, Zambia. I had the privilege of helping the pastor there plant that church years ago. Places like 
Mozambique, Africa. Let me go back here, sorry. Mozambique, Africa. This church is just down the path from where Willie and I enjoyed our Coca-Colas in that mud hut that night. People literally come out of the bush sitting in the windows of this primitive church to hear the preaching and teaching of God's Word. That's good news, amen? Amen. Vietnam, one of the 13 countries that Gospel Inc. is working in. We are partnering with over 100 nationals there which we'll talk about in a minute. These are ministry pictures of, of their work there in the communist nation of Vietnam. People are coming to Christ in that nation. Families raising their hands for Jesus Christ. Children, that's a sweet picture, isn't it? Children receiving the Lord into their lives. <clears throat> Former Buddhists turning from their idolatry, burning their Buddhist books and idols in the fire to follow Jesus Christ. Former police officers for the Vietnamese government coming to Christ as Lord and Savior. That's Dang Toy there. He is a former police officer. He's got an amazing testimony. I'll share that with you at the end of the message. That way, hopefully, you all stay, okay? That's him baptizing a new believer. How would you like to be baptized in that <laughs> barrel? <laughs> I shared his story in Sunday school. That's Tran Din, one of our men there reaching people in, in Vietnam, like the Buddhist monk that he's baptizing. How would you like to be baptized in that? Rice paddy. I'd take the barrel. How about you? Okay. God is doing some great things. Glory to God. That's good news. Now, there's some bad news to share with you this morning. The theme, I believe, of your missions month and week is till the whole world knows. Well, the whole world needs to know. According to the Joshua Project, there's still 2.4 billion people in the world who have yet to hear the gospel for the first time. People like this little girl that our missions team encountered when we were traveling from Saigon to the Cambodian border. We were going to visit a new house church out there. And we were about two hours into our journey and the van driver pulled us over for a roadside pit stop there in a kind of a rural area of Vietnam and our team piled out of this van and you know, when we take teams to Vietnam, we really stand out because we are white-skinned, <clears throat> we are tall. My 6'8 son, Trey, was with us on this trip. Uh, we are blonde-headed uh, or bald-headed, whatever the case might be. We piled out of our van, and this little girl, 12 years old, meanders out of this coffee shop, checking out our team. <clears throat> and Amy, one of our translators, went over to her and got down on one knee and began to converse with this little girl and Amy turned to me and she said this little girl has never heard the name of Jesus Christ not never heard the gospel clearly didn't even know who Jesus was I wondered under that hot tropical sun that day I wondered how many more people just in Vietnam alone have never heard the name of Jesus Christ Amy took about 15 minutes as clearly as she could shared the gospel with this little girl and she gladly received the Lord into her life. Let me read to you a report from one of our uh, preachers in Vietnam. Kanong Ipar is his name. If you sponsor a national preacher, by the way, which I'll talk about in a minute, you get a quarterly report every three months that you can read about your preacher and know how to pray for them. But he said this. He says, one day in March, Brother E. Yang and I made a bicycle missions trip to Boon Trick. So they're going out on an evangelistic trip in rural Vietnam. He says, we dropped by a stand and met a farmer who was 45 years old. We began to tell him about the creator who loves us and loves him. He was surprised when he heard the name Jesus Christ. 
He thought we were crazy because he had never heard about Jesus Christ as God's son from birth. He told us that his family has also never heard about Jesus Christ and his love. After that, he left us, but he expressed that he wanted to know more about Christ. On the way home, Brother E. Yang and I committed to preach his name to residents at Boone Trick. If we don't preach, how will they know? It's a good question. Sounds like Romans, doesn't it? Chapter 10. How, they can, how can they believe on him and whom they have not heard? Listen, we're blessed to live in America, aren't we? Aren't you thankful that we live in this great nation? We have access to the gospel. We have freedom to come and worship this morning. Good churches like this one to hear God's word taught and preached. We have Bibles. How many of you have a Bible this morning? Would you raise it up in the air for me? Amen. Anymore, I'm seeing more of these technological gadgets going up. You know, 80% of the world's population doesn't own their own Bible. We're blessed to live in America. God has blessed us, financially speaking, as well. Did you know that nearly 2 billion people in the world live on less than $2 per day? The average American lives on $105 per day. Such a disparity. You know, Acts chapter 17, verse 26 tells us that God is sovereign over demographics. In other words, that he has chosen to put us here and bless us like he has at this time for a purpose, that we're not just here by chance. God has blessed us. I know that you're thankful for that. The first time that I went to Africa, I contracted malaria. I came home, and I'd been home just a few days, and I, or a couple weeks, I'm sorry, and I started getting symptoms. After about the third day of symptoms, as a blessed American, what did I do? Well, I had my wife drive me to a good hospital here in the States. We were on vacation in Niles, Michigan. She took me to the Niles Hospital. I got a proper diagnosis. It was only the second case of malaria this hospital had ever seen. The other person died. That's not very encouraging when they tell you that. (laughs) For a $40 prescription at the local pharmacy, and of course the help of the Lord, I'm here today. I'm blessed. I had to ask the Lord as I was recovering from that, Lord, why have you blessed me? Why did I, why? I found out later that one and a half million Africans die every year of malaria. That every 30 seconds a child dies of malaria. God has blessed us. There's a reason why they bring Kent Brantley and Nancy Wright Bull and the others with Ebola home from Liberia and Western Africa to America for treatment. Why? Because we have the best medicine in the world. He's blessed us. God has blessed us. I like to illustrate it this way. Can I come down on the floor level? I'm going to anyway. In John chapter 6 is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Remember that story where Jesus had the people sit in an orderly fashion? The disciples came with their baskets, and um, Jesus filled them with fish and loaves. And let's imagine if it had happened this way. It didn't, but let's imagine to illustrate the point. The disciples go and... I'm going to start back here. They go down, go down row one. They begin to distribute to the crowd uh, the fish and loaves. They go down row two. Let's imagine their baskets run out. So they come back to the Lord of all creation, and he fills their baskets again. And they go back down row one. Does anybody want seconds? Down row two. Does anybody want seconds? Their baskets run out again. They come back, and Jesus fills them again with fish and loaves. Let's imagine they go back down to row one. You guys want thirds? Anybody want? Sorry, Chris. 
You guys want third? Let me ask you, if it had happened that way, what would you do if you were sitting in the back rows? What's that? Speak up. Maybe move to the front rows, right? You would at least stand up and say, hey, Jesus, what about us? We're hungry too. Just because they're on the back rows doesn't make them less important, does it? And that's what I liken it to in the world today. You know, there's people on the back rows. Jesus, send your men back here. Send your people back here with some of that bread of life. It just keeps coming back. Row one, row two. We have so much. I do. I'm preaching to myself. And I don't know why God has chosen to put me on the front rows of America. I know I don't deserve it, but I'm thankful. We have so much, don't we? Aren't you thankful? I know that you are for what God has entrusted to us. And what's on the screen is a reminder that we'll be a a steward for what he has given to us. So what is the strategy? What is our model with gospel? And I want to just share with you the next few minutes here, and then we'll wrap up. The model of helping to link resources that Christians in America have with the church in third world nations to reach some of the people on the back rows. There's 2.4 billion people back there. Never had the bread of life passed back to them. We believe that one of the best models, most effective ways to advance the gospel and put the bread of life back on the back rows is done through national preachers. A national preacher is simply someone who is native to the country where he's serving, okay? For example, a man that's in Tanzania, Africa, being trained and sponsored by Gospel Link sponsors, he's planting churches right there in Tanzania. He's reaching his own people with the gospel. He's considered a national preacher, okay? He's native, a native missionary. How can you reach your world? Would you consider assisting a national preacher? Let me put a disclaimer out. This, this is not to compete in any way with faith promise. You need to give sacrificially and put your foot in the water, as was said earlier, everything that you can give to faith promise. But listen, I believe some of you could maybe do a little more than that. I'm going to present to you the gospel link model of partnering with a national preacher. If you'll look at your brochure on the back panel is a, an overview of our sponsorship program. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time on this, but I want to give you an overview, okay? We are partnering with close to 1,300 national preachers in 13 different third world nations, reaching people on the back rows. All of them receive what's on the back panel of your brochure. They receive five different sponsorships, okay, to be fully sponsored. Three of those are what's on the screen here, the ministry sponsorship. It's $35 a month for each of those three. That provides the church planter, the missionary, funds uh, like housing, food, clothing, medical, etc., so that he can devote himself full-time to gospel ministry. He's not farming or doing some other job to provide for his family. It's kind of the meat and potatoes of his support, just like we support missionaries, and God bless you for the 15 or more that you're already supporting. It kind of helps them, uh, definitely, I mean, it meets their needs so that they can be full-time in the ministry. Okay, they get three of those. In addition to that, he gets one outreach sponsorship. It's $25 a month. It's very important. It helps him to evangelize in his area, provides gospel tracts, New Testaments, transportation to unreached villages, that type of ministry. 
And then the $15 a month training sponsorship is the final type of sponsorship. It's devoted to discipleship. Discipling the preacher, giving him tools, books, study materials for his own library, getting him to training events that we do within his country and with his leaders, but also helps him disciple new converts that he has led to Christ. So what's on the screen is a total of those five sponsorships, $145 a month to fully sponsor a national. That's about 4% of what it costs to send a traditional foreign missionary to the field. And you might say, hey, I can't afford $145 a month. Well, that's why we break it down into those five different sponsorships. For as little as $15 a month, you can help sponsor a national preacher. Who can sponsor a national? This list on the screen here gives you some ideas. Most of our sponsors are just like you, individuals and families all across America who pray for and support their national preacher. Some advantages of working through nationals, okay? This is the indigenous model of doing missions. Just real quickly, one is the citizenship advantage. Nationals are citizens of the country where they're serving. They don't have to get a passport. They don't have to renew their visas. They're already there. Men like Ro Sao, he is one of our nationals in Vietnam. He's a short, little, we call him the energizer bunny. He just keeps going and going. He's been in prison many times for preaching the gospel there in Vietnam. But he's reaching people like the Ade tribal people, one of the 54 different ethne minority groups in Vietnam. That's a family that he was able to lead to Christ. Then the cultural advantage. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever been to a foreign country? Would you raise your hand? Okay, a lot of you. I like to hear where people have been to. So if you want mind, some of you just sharing out loud some of the countries that you've been to. China, Kenya, India. I'm sorry. Wow, that's a lot. A lot of diversity. And I know more of you could share. But by the way, Kentucky's not a foreign country, okay? <laughs> you go to some of these places, things are very different, especially third world nations. Housing is different in Africa than what it is here. Showers are different in Mozambique than here in America. Insects are different in Vietnam than they are here. Modes of transportation in Vietnam, very different than here in America. Bridges, different. Street scenes, very different in Saigon than in New York. Food, very different. How many of you think that raw squid looks appetizing? One, two, three. Yeah, our son didn't think so. That's Trey there at that meal. That's culture shock right there. But seriously, nationals are used to that culture. They like that kind of food. It's a big advantage they have over traditional missionaries. My hat goes off to U.S. missionaries that follow God's call to the field and have to adapt to the culture. Then the linguistic advantage, nationals already know the language. They have a time advantage. A lot of missionaries will spend two or three or four years to raise support to get to the field. Again, I admire that determination. But nationals are there, they've been trained, they're waiting for sponsors from the states to link up some of their resources to, in order to support them. And then the economic advantage, which we've talked about already. This is a group of our nationals in Zambia, Africa, at the Bible college that we're building there. They all have sponsors just like you that pray for them and support them. By the way, if you can't tell, I'm the one in the back on the right there, okay? <laughs> Gospel Link started in 1998, and today, by God's grace, we're partnering with over 1,250 nationals. So as we wrap up this morning, some ways to respond. 
Um, you could go on a short-term missions trip. My wife and I lead teams to Vietnam. We'd be glad to talk to you and give you more information about what a short-term trip looks like and how you can experience the cross-cultural missions on a first-hand basis. Listen, if you would take out your... Does that mean we're done? I heard a phone or something. Okay. Take out your brochure one more time real quickly. <clears throat> and there's a response form on the inside there, okay? One way that you can really help me and help Gospel Link to get exposure for the nationals is to refer me to a church, just like Frank Prenzy did in, in our connection. Listen, if you know of a church or two that you could refer me to, it could be in this area, it could be anywhere in the United States, winter's coming, so I'm looking primarily for churches in Florida and Arizona. I'm just kidding. Uh, just put, put the name of the church in there, and I'll Google it. I'll just contact the pastor and introduce myself and see if I can go and speak they're about missions. It's a great way to help um, advance the gospel through nationals on the field. And give that brochure to me then at the table in the back there after the service. And then finally, would you consider sponsoring a national preacher? There are um, boxes there at the bottom that you can check according to how God would lead you. Uh, on my table out in the foyer, I brought with me 21 national preachers in my briefcase. One of them is right here. Hugh Tran, he's from Vietnam. He's one of our newest approved gospel link church planters in Vietnam. He needs a sponsor. His profile notebook will be on the table along with several others back there. I'd be glad to answer your questions. And if you would like to sponsor someone, pick up the notebook and let me know what you would like to do. And you can take that notebook home with you today. I'd love to go back to Indiana with less than 21 men in my briefcase. Sponsors receive a quarterly report every three months. I refer to that. You receive pictures from the field so that you can develop a relationship link with your national preachers. You can send them correspondence as well. William Carey, I started with a quote by him, and I want to end with a quote. He once said this. He said, I will go into the dark places if you will hold the ropes. I love that quote as well because what Carey was saying was, he was saying, I will go into the cave of India where the culture is really different, where the food is going to be unappetizing, where the language is difficult. He said, I'll go there. God's called me. He wasn't a national, but God called him to go to India. But he said, I need people back home who will do what? Just hold the ropes. That's right. Have a support role for him. Pray for him. Listen, pray for your missionaries. I trust that you do that. Stop by and pick up one of the cards and fill it out to, to really link a name with your missionaries. Who's praying for them? They need your prayers. I mean, they're on the front lines of ministry. The spiritual warfare is fierce for them. They need prayer, and they also need financial support. That's what William Carey was saying. If you can help me financially, then please do so. That's what Gospel Link is about, helping people like Dang Toy to advance the gospel in Vietnam by linking up support and prayer with them. Dang Toy, I'll close with this and then show a short video clip. I referred to him earlier. He's one of our... Men in Vietnam, he and his family are doing a great job there reaching people. Former police officer for the Vietnamese government, he used to literally arrest Christians, put them in prison, and confiscate their Bibles. He would take those Bibles home with him. What do you think he began doing with the Bible? He began reading the Bible, that's right. God works in mysterious ways sometimes. Dang Toy began reading the Bible. I couldn't wait to get back to Vietnam because I wanted to ask him more about his testimony, more details. So when I went back through our translator, I said, Dang Toy, I said, tell me, why did you begin reading the Bible? 
He looked at me and he said this. He said, because of the courage that I saw in the people that I was arresting. He said, I had to find out what makes these Christians so brave in the face of persecution and imprisonment. He began reading God's word. Isn't that a great testimony? Our brothers and sisters halfway around the world being in prison for their faith, just standing strong in the Lord. Dang Toy came to Christ. He was born again, received the Lord into his life, and is now preaching the gospel in Vietnam to people like Mrs. Hua. His quarterly report, I get to read all of them that come from Vietnam. Amazing things God is doing there. His quarterly report this quarter said he led Mrs. Hua to Christ, and when she became a Christian, she, threw, she was so disgusted that she'd been worshiping these, those little lifeless idols that she threw them on the ground in disgust because now she's worshiping the one true and living God. Hallelujah. That's good news from a far country. There's Dang Toy baptizing a new Christian there in rural Vietnam. I want to thank you again for the opportunity to be with you and hopefully encourage you in the area of the Great Commission locally but also globally through missions endeavors. And I want to leave you with a, it's about a three or four minute video clip off of our adoption DVD. If any of you are interested in adoption or have a friend that might be interested, uh, these are about an hour long and it's just kind of a sentimental look of the last stages of our adoption. Um, I've got some of these on the table out there for a donation of any amount just to help with the cost. You're welcome to take one of these with you and it might be an encouragement to you or your friend toward adoption. But on this DVD is a clip entitled Religion in Vietnam that we put together. And I want to leave this with you as a reminder that there are people on the back rows that have never heard the name of Jesus. Let me pray before we watch this. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for these dear people, for this good church, Lord. I thank you for what you've already accomplished here in the years past. And I pray that going forward, the greatest days yet even would be in store for this church that your hand would be mighty upon these people. Lord, that it would shine brightly, not only here at home, but abroad through their missions outreaches. Lord, bless this place. Help us to be your faithful witnesses. Lord, we don't have to go to Vietnam or Africa to find people who need the Lord. There are plenty of them right here in our Jerusalem. So help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.